This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Scotty? Ooh, yeah. I've got two examples. Mm. Same story. Okay. Two headlines. Okay? Uh You tell me which you like better. All right. Do your bowels suddenly spring to life in bookstores? You're not alone. And the Japanese even have a term for it. Mariko Aoki. So that's that's one. headline number one. Great option. Good start. Uh, good start, right? I'm interested. Yeah. yeah, I'm over here. I'm riveted. And the next one. Mm-hmm. Do bookstores make you poop? The Japanese <laughs> have a theory. <laughs> Who wrote this? My grandmother in 1988. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go number two. Let's go number two and talk number two. But this is going to be a very, very clean cut. Close mm-hmm. to the holiday season, bananas. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to Bananas. I am Kurt Brownoller. I am Banana Boy number two, Scotty Landis. This is the silliest little podcast there ever was. And yes, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Joyful Kwanzaa. If you worship Satan, awesome. Just don't do it in a weird way. We support everybody who supports us. <laughs> yeah, do it in a way that challenges uh, challenges laws about religious freedom. That's what we like. That's what we like. That. But don't worship Satan and like you know kill a dog or yeah, something. We don't way. say that. Not no. a bad way. Hey, happy uh, happy solstice as well. Happy New Year's. I don't know when this is coming out. We don't know when it's coming out, but I hope <laughs> that you heard the Christmas version of our theme song by the wonderful Kahan Amadi. You can buy it on Bandcamp. But also, if you don't like our Christmas version. In, you know, joyfully shove it up your keister. <laughs> we like but it. But joyfully, yeah. joyfully. We support shoving anything up your keister as long as it's done yeah. in the holiday spirit. Consensually and joyfully. Anyways, exactly. how are you, Annie, buddy? I have I'm a good. Tito's yeah. soda in hand. 
Oh, jealous. I've got my bananas water bottle available at exactly right merch store. And that? I'm just sipping water. You look just cool doing it. Water. You Thank cool. you very much. That yeah. bottle's cool. I'm going I'm trying to do it intermittent fasting, and so I'm like, uh I only eat like five hundred calories two days of the week. And yeah. uh we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's tough for you. That's uh it works. Yeah. It absolutely it's, works if you can it's stick to it. Exactly, if you can stick to it. I'm I'm in my like third, second or third week, and I'm just like, I don't know, is this, can I maintain this? I'm unsure. But I weirdly have a lot of energy. Yeah. I weirdly have more energy eating yeah. less. I so, don't know why, but I'm going to guess it's because you're burning fat, and fat gives you energy, so your body right now is consuming itself, and now you're pumped up. I'm pumped up, Me ready too. to go. All those cells... Episode. All those cells are are no longer building. They're they're going in and they're restructuring. That's Sounds apparently cool. what I'm excited about. I'm just going to live for forever. I'm going to be hungry all the time and yep. live for forever. I certainly hope so. That would be great news for me. I don't know. We're going to run out of stories if we have to do this for another thousand years. But <laughs> maybe not. Maybe things get really maybe interesting. Not. That's the thing is we now just need to generate stories in our life to tell on the podcast no at this problem. point. It's fun. At this point, we just have to live more. I'm, I'm, I'm going to Amazon an axe right now. I'm getting out there. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm intermittent <laughs> fasting, guys, is to live longer, to get out and experience life, to bring stories back for you, fellas. All right? right? Fellas and fellas in the general sense of meaning all of humanity. And galleys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> tell us a little bit about this book. All right. Oh, no. About people going to bookstores, yeah. and then they have to use the restroom, yeah. and it's real. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you that the Do Bookstores Make You Poop, the Japanese Have a Theory, is a better title. That was from the AV Club, yes. written by Mike Vago. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, this was sent in by Courtney Farver. Thank, Thank you, you, Courtney. Courtney. You know what we like. How, however... Uh, Courtney actually sent in the one from Mental Floss, the uh, uh, article by <laughs> Ellen Gutowski. I mean, she, ha- she has gut in her name, which is perfect for this story. And I prefer Ellen's version just because it's not uh, just summing up a Wikipedia page. Here we I go. I love that. In the mid-1980s, a woman named Mariko Aoki sent a letter to Japan's Hanno Zashi, or book magazine, explaining a puzzling condition. Whenever Aoki entered a bookstore, her bowels suddenly leaped to life. Hey, now. Leapt to life? Oh, suddenly seemed to leap to life. That's a great way to say it. Suddenly seemed to leap to life. Suddenly seem to leap to life is, that's the best in the biz kind of writing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ellen Gattel. Gitaski. Uh, the magazine printed the letter in its February 1985 issue, and it soon became clear that Aoki wasn't alone. Very Other cool. readers mailed in letters detailing similar experiences, and Hanno Zashi, Hanno Zashi capitalized on the momentum of the topic by publishing a lengthy feature article mm. called quote, The Phenomenon Currently Shaking the Bookstore Industry. <laughs> Oh, Hanno Zashi. Very funny. Decades later, a bookshop's mystifying ability to galvanize some people's gastrointestinal tracts into action isn't exactly being taught in medical schools. While the condition hasn't been scientifically proven, it's garnered enough media coverage and public corroboration over the years to warrant a pretty extensive entry on Wikipedia. 
It's called As the AV Club Reports. See, when they say that, it's like, well, we got to go to the main source. But the main source isn't even the AV Club. They're just going from the Wikipedia page. Right. So I'm going to hop on over to the AV Club article um, with the strangest fact. They have the strangest fact. So this is from a, a thing that they do. I guess every week where it's they explore Wikipedia oddities, which is such a great idea. Yeah, that is a good idea, and I'm sure there's a podcast or five about that. That's a great idea, though. Right? Uh, The phenomenon only grew in time as it spread to other media. Other magazines Hmm. discussed the phenomenon in the wake of Aoki's article, Hmm. and she herself was interviewed by numerous outlets. She's on record as saying she doesn't mind her name being associated with bookstore pooping. Oh, what I didn't mention is that they actually called it Mariko Aoki. That's the name of this sensation. Cool. And what a weird the, thing to have named after you. It's imagine if we had just like uh, the Timothy Smith, which meant you shit your pants in a bookstore. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh man, I Timothy Schmidt it. That's a theory. <laughs> yes. Uh, and so bum. A decade later, Aoki was still being talked about. Her phenomenon had left from print to TV as all these different uh, TV shows did it. So it seems um, like it's a real thing. Here, the, I'm, I'm trying to get the thing. Oh, yeah. The thing we were happiest to learn, the AV Club says, the scientific mm-hmm. community has weighed in on Mariko Aoki. Oh. Studies have been done, uh, what the Japanese have termed book bowel tendency, an <laughs> elevated likelihood of experiencing BBT. Marika Aoki phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Their conclusions? The f- this is fascinating. The phenomenon is distributed evenly throughout every region of Japan. It's between two and four times more prevalent in women than men and uncommon in, quote, sporty males, which is apparently a term researchers use. Very cool. Between 10 and 20% of the population (laughs) suffers from Aoki, with one survey reaching over 25%, and it seems to largely be an adult-onset condition, although it does exist in children. Uh, Wikipedia suggests that authors and people working in publishing are more likely to be affected, although we'd suggest that these people are simply more likely to spend time in bookstores. Bookstore employees, on the other hand, seem to have built up a tolerance and are not affected, Wikipedia quotes plastic surgeon Kiyoshi Matsua, clearly the relevant medical expert on hand, as saying, quote, it can occur to anyone. Um, and then they that, like people have all these different theories that it's like uh, that there's a uh, there's ink. It's like uh, either paper oh, or ink the triggers air. the sensation. Mm. There's even a conspiracy theory suggested that is done deliberately by paper manufacturers to sell more toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, I think it's routine though. I th- I don't I think that there's uh, something else going on because when I lived in Brooklyn, I had an elevator to the fifth floor. I lived on the fifth floor, and every time I got in the elevator when I was coming back, I felt like I had to pee instantly. And then my old oh. roommates, Casey and Amanda, one time Amanda and I were talking about, she's like, as soon as I open the front door of the building, I have to pee. And it's like this weird thing where I think it was like your body when you're, especially in New York where you're on a subway for 45 mm-hmm. minutes in each direction. It's like your body. I think this happens to a lot of my female friends when they do air travel. When they fly a lot, they'll be like, oh, I don't go to the bathroom for three days when I fly on a plane. And I think it's like your brain's like, lock it down. And then when you get the permission and bookstores, especially in big cities, they always have nice bathrooms. I think your brain's like, hey, ease off that lockdown a little bit. Let's uh, let's slip and slide. 
I like this theory. I like this theory a lot. I and you know who knows what the bookstores are like in Japan, but I do remember probably New York nice. City. Yeah, probably nice. Uh, and New York City, I always remember the Fourteenth Street Barnes and Noble. Oh my you would, god, the bathrooms were on the third floor. Absolutely. And you would always have to go up to the third floor. So if you really had to go to the bathroom, a that was like the only place to go yes. in Union Square. And you'd have to take the escalator all the way up, three yes. levels, and then you would get in there. And yes. it was, that bathroom was destroyed. <laughs> Every time I walked in there, it was the most upsetting experience uh, one was. could ever had. And then you feel bad, too, because you're just like, I'm contributing to this, to this horribleness, because the only reason I'm here is to use the Barnes & Noble bathroom. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah. it, it reminds me of that time. Uh-oh. It wasn't a bookstore. And I have talked about this on the podcast, yeah. but I'm going to talk about it again. Say it again. Because there's people story. maybe who have not heard this. Welcome to the team. I walk in mm. to the <laughs> another place to go to the bathroom in New York City back in the day, which was the Apple store in the meatpacking district. Yeah. Again, in the meatpacking district... You want to go go to the bathroom? You go f yourself. Like there is uh, yeah. nothing. East Rivers it, that way, pal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like none of these places there are all open at night. Restaurants are not going to let right. you come in That's unless right. you're ordering what a bottle of wine in that neighborhood. And so, but there is a bathroom, and you take this beautiful glass spiral staircase. Mm, get into all the way up. the The stairs are glass. The yeah. side is glass. It's a big glass cube, guys. All right, it's one of like the first Apple stores in Manhattan, I believe. And you walk all the way up, and you go into a very nice restroom. Yeah. And I see the uh, that the 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 handicap stall is available. It's the perfect stall. It's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Nobody else is in there. Put your back, I figure, back in the corner, far away exactly, from you. Exactly. Get it away from you. And I figure this is, I can, I can <laughs> use that one. No one's you. around. No. No one's around. <laughs> no queen. I'm not. A <laughs> and it's just ajar a little bit. And so I open the door and walk in. And then, and then as I'm like looking up, realize that there is a man <laughs> fully nude. <laughs> Taking a shit and reading the New York Times. <laughs> and then I, I make a noise just yeah. like so surprised. Yeah. I'm just like, whoa. Well, and then he just peeks. The <laughs> he just peeks the corner down like he's expecting me and just gives me a big smile yep. like he has found Nirvana. Yeah. Like he. He is he's been working uh, he's been working through his life to find yes. out the exact situation that causes him <laughs> the most joy which is totally naked taking a shit in an apple store with the door open reading the New York Times. Oh. And it's like he's got it figured out folks but I just <laughs> shut that door and I walked right out. <laughs> yeah, it's so so true. It's so so true. There was this there was a a girl that my freshman year of college who was on my floor, and I'll say her first name because there's no way in hell she ever listens to bananas. And if she does, she doesn't remember me. Uh, but her name was Claire, and she was a bit of a, a scoundrel, a bit of a troublemaker. She partied a lot. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, again, this isn't really talking out of class, but one night while hooking up with somebody, it was first month of school, September, whenever, um, she was having sex, and she went to the bathroom on the guy. She took a boom-boom on the guy by accident. It was a total accident. And um, 
So normal, normal uh, uh, lady on top sex position that way, boom, boom, or like reverse cowgirl, boom, boom. I think uh, woman on top, boom, boom, and uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I've always sort of. But been... I'm, I'm figuring out which way was her head facing. Was her head facing towards his feet? Best or was the head facing scenario, towards? I think. <laughs> That's the best the case. Yeah, best case of the worst case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the that is the most contact we could have. Yeah, okay, it's you, man. So boom, so booms happen. Best case scenario. So that happens. So, anyways, I've always had this, and you know this. Like people tell me things. Um, they, I've always sort of been somebody that people confide in because I don't overreact. I, if anything, I uh-huh. underreact and tell them they're fine and everything's going to be okay. So, like three or four days go by, and of course, it's like goes around the floor, of the dorm room. Like everybody's like, "Did you hear?" Her roommate's like, I went and stayed somewhere else. The guy was like, what the hell? Like, leave. Uh-huh. And I was talking to her, and she <laughs> told me, she's like, I'm so embarrassed. And she's like, this actually happened to me before. And uh-huh. she said when she what? was growing up, she the only time she ever had to masturbate was in the bathroom. And sometimes she would do that and then go to the bathroom. Oh. And so when she, she oh. built in some physical response that when she would get off it would make her feel like she had to go to the bathroom after like years of secretly doing it in shame so what i'm saying is don't live in shame don't hide in the bathroom when you know find your safe space but yeah and when she told me don't put a don't put your lantern under a bushel shit one place and jerk off another that's the lesson if you take one thing away from this holiday episode whether you're a satan worshiper or a great jewish person celebrating hanukkah don't put your lantern under a bushel. Separate your joy and your uh, deposits. Anyways. Yeah, but I, it opened my mind because I was 17 or 18. And I remember like her saying it to me and like the math numbers swirling in front of me and being uh, like, I get it. You yeah, to, I get it. Separate these. Now two, it's like makes it. sense. I'm like I'm I'm with her. I understand her story. It's not just like how can this happen. It's more like well, look, we understand a complex human being now. Yeah, we're chemistry sets. We get it. Anyways, get it. I got. Give one. me a story. Sent in by Ali D. That's A one one Y D E E. Thank you, Ali D. This was uh, foodandwine.com, which I feel like is a very good website. I. I guess. I don't think I've spent much time. I have read some articles from foodandwine.com on this show, but that's pretty much my extent. Food and Wine, if you want to interview the Banana Boys, we'll do anything about bananas you want. You want to talk bananas? The Banana Boys will be there. This was written I by- will yell FNW the whole interview. What? FNW. Oh, food what? and Wine. FNW. Oh, FNW. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I can't spell. Uh, Mike Pomrans wrote this. He is, by and large... The best in the beeswax. If you've been dreaming of a ranch Christmas, Kurt, this savory twist on eggnog has you covered. Here's that headline. Hidden Valley's ranch nog is the most unholy of nogs. (laughs) (laughs) Hidden Valley Ranch, you know, they invented ranch, uh, seems to get away with more than any other brand. Granted, they literally invented ranch dressing, which comes uh, with a plenty. Oh, which comes with plenty of goodwill. But also, the idea of slathering any and everything in ranch is equal parts gross and engrossing. So, when the brand launches promotions like a Christmas stocking full of ranch or a lifetime supply of dressing, the glutton inside us chuckles with glee. Nice writing, Mike Palmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best in the biz. So, what do they have in store for this Christmas? Well, actually. The highlight is a kit for making your own ranch-soaked 
eggnog, ranch nog. Arriving oh. today, and I looked it up on the website, and the packaging is great. I bet it's sold out by the time this, this gets here. You get two glasses. You get this decorative box. But oh. a, a hidden rail, in the uh, Hidden Valley Ranch Shop, while supplies last, the limited edition holiday ranch nog kit features everything necessary to make this unholy merger of two creamy concoctions real. The kit was created in partnership with mixologists Whiskey and Rosemary. And as Hidden Valley describes it, it, quote, marries the... Cr- Boy, this is so bad. Marries the creamy, slightly sweet elements of eggnog with the savory, cool, and herby flavor of ranch. Or for British listeners, the herby flavor of ranch. (laughs) Inside the $50 box, ranch lovers will find two, count them, two HVR ranch nog glasses, which are, I mean, those are worth 50 right there alone. Yeah. And HVR is Hidden Valley Ranch for people that didn't can't spell fun like me, <laughs> which are custom etched 8.5 ounce Libby Irish custom coffee mugs, a 2.5 ounce stainless steel jigger, and two Hidden Valley original ranch salad dressing and seasoning mix packets enough to make stuff for two cocktails. Finally, the customers will get a card with the coveted ranch nog recipe. Not so into ranch nog, Kurt, which is... N- yes, I don't know many people that will be. Hidden Valley Ranch says they got plenty of other items in store. There's a $50 ranch travel kit, which includes things like a sleep mask, neck, neck pillow, and water bottle, all uh. of which can fit inside the $300 Hidden Valley Ranch suitcase, which sells separately. What? I you think, can get a Hidden Valley Ranch suitcase? I think we got to get those. I mean, Oh, my God. That, that is the funniest thing to come around. The, that is the funniest thing I've ever... Oh, my God. Belt. Yeah, you're looking it up. Um, yeah. Also available for health health nuts out there, Hidden Valley Ranch Yoga Lovers Kit. You know, when you want to do yoga with someone you love, get that Hidden Valley Ranch Yoga Lovers Kit in your life. Hidden Valley Ranch uh, Pizza Lovers Kit. That's an obvious fit. And the Hidden Valley Ranch Night Kit, which sells for 110 bucks. Incredible, right? I am looking up the Hidden Valley Ranch suitcase How's right now. How's it looking? I'm going to guess it's got to be sold out. And if it's not, I'm immediately buying yeah, it buy for it. you for Christmas. Yes! All right. Sorry to everybody that I just blew their eardrums out. But oh, I my God. That pumped. I'm okay. one TT and soda in. Why can't I? It's almost like it's there, but then y- it, you can't buy it. Okay. <laughs> it's like. We'll figure this out. Oh, wait. Add to cart. Oh, Let's this see. is a huge moment this for me. I've been exciting. a good boy all year, and it's paying off finally. This is paying off. Can we do this? Is it in my cart? View cart, Scotty. We're we're, we're going to do it a lot live oh on God. air. This I've been wondering huge. what am I going to get this you for your is Christmas? Huge. Oh my goodness! This is I'm big. going to check out. I'm going to check out. I mean, this is huge for me. This is like when normal radio shows like have somebody propose to somebody on air or something or make some big announcement. Like they won the lottery, not the Banana uh, Boys. Just just so you know that it's requiring me to create a ranchology account. <laughs> well. That's fine. As long as you don't send me the ranch nog, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling really good about this gift. Okay, I'm joining now. This is this might all be a thing to just get my email address. And then after I do this, they're going to be like, no, you can't do it. That's okay. Um, we love corporations. We love them. We really uh, do. Well, I'm going to tell okay. you this story. So in 2012, there was this thing called the Great Googa Mooga Festival in Brooklyn, New York. I remember Prospect Booga Park. Mooga. 
So Kurt and Kristen perform. It was the idea for nobody. The, if anybody was there, you just your eyes just rolled out of the back of your head and rolled down your hips and are somewhere behind you. Uh, Guga Muga was a food festival that was supposed to kind of be like Bonnaroo, but it was like going to be all these food vendors. They had bands like Hall and Oates. They had Les Zeppelin, the lesbian Led Zeppelin cover band who rocks. They had The Roots. They had Hall and Oates, all the other bands. But they had comedians. They had Patton Oswalt. They had uh, Anthony Bourdain was there. Um, but Kurt and Kristen were supposed to perform there. And they ran the lines were so long that for $250 you were supposed to get unlimited food and booze and everybody i know uh was like that is a crazy amount of money for the food we can already buy in the city in our neighborhood and then people waited in line like 2 hours for a hamburger kurt and i were so hungry at some point that we waited in line they ran out of hamburgers so they just gave us ketchup packets and hamburger buns and we just ate ketchup sandwiches <laughs> So the reason I bring this up is I was doing a little research on Guga Muga because it was such a disaster, and I found that The Guardian wrote an article by Brian Breaker, and there are a couple names in it. Um, so I'm just going to read this little piece. With very little shade, thousands of event goers were forced to wait in epically long lines to ball small plates of local del- delicacies. Drink lines were even longer, and the special ticketing system to purchase select beer and wine broke down completely <laughs> all day Saturday. Quote, I thought I was going to be a music and food place, and I waited over an hour for a burger, complained John Weisberg, who came from Brooklyn. It's poorly managed. Quote, why would you do this elit- elitist shit, asked comedian Kristen Shaw in a half-mock outrage. Quote, a friend of mine told me he was going to Googa and that he couldn't see my show because it's in rich Googa meaning the $250 seat. <laughs> then she and her comedy partner, Kurt Brownoller, performed in Extra Mooga, the VIP area, which you guys gave me a plus one and I went to at the time. Extra Mooga. 2012 Scotty was not a VIP, let me tell you. Um, both said they loved the event and have no problem. This is you, Kurt. You loved the event and have no problem with people paying extra for something more, but it made no sense to hold a festival and then deny people access to half of it. Uh, Brown Oler joked, this is a class war. (laughs) You were letting them have it back then. It was <laughs> wild. But the winner of the whole thing was this the our friends Dan Klein and Kelly Hudson and I think Edmund Hawkins worked on it. And this was amazing. They heard about this festival these 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 three or four comedians. I think Arthur was a part of it too and they made fake menus. They printed fake menus for like fake restaurants and handed them out to all the people who had paid all this money for the food festival. And I th- and I, they wrote a book later called Fuds or Foods F U D S and Mario yes. Vitali wrote the intro, which is crazy. Yes. But they handed this thing out and it wasn't a joke. So all like I don't know, ten thousand people that were there. They probably handed out a thousand menus, and they had things like it was all fake food. Do you remember this? It was incredible. Yeah, so, it was so funny. It, it was, was so funny. I didn't get one in hand, but I saw it posted online afterwards. It was incredible. And it had stuff like round eye flank stringers with Yankee poisoned marinara and fuzzy rice curds. <laughs> Min- <laughs> mini Brock coddles with Maloney's. Yam clippings. Leafy sage dumpings. <laughs> Shitty chicken spank with cinnamon garlic dirt and dimpled with freshwater whale tit sauce. <laughs> And the cl- cult classic, the Bill Clinton sandwich. It was, they just handed out like endless, it was incredible. And so you see all these foodies and all these snobs. This is like peak foodie. 
and everybody's just walking away with these things being like Yankee poisoned marinara and fuzzy rice curds. <laughs> Ooh, a side of baloney's uh, tickling shrimp. Ooh, oh, it's so it was so good, so well written, and it looked exactly like a menu. It did exactly like something you could order, and it also made. Uh, it just made uh, Guga Muga that much more Muga. They you know did I mean? one more year of it, and then it didn't happen. I think after 2013, it was canceled. But anyways, it was a true elitist crapola, but we were there. And I was so funny that you and Kristen were both dogging on it in The Guardian. <laughs> and good for you. Uh, You're on the right side of history. Scotty? Yes, sir. I just want to let you know. Yes, Order number 42042. Your Hidden Valley Ranch suitcase is on its way to your home. Let's see how many months it takes to get there. Oh, this is... I'm going home for the holidays, and I am going to go home in style. Thank you. This is a wonderful (laughs) gift. I hope it smells like dry ranch powder. I hope you get some ranch with it. Do you know what I mean? If I had any decency, I'd fill it with buffalo wings, leave it slightly unzipped, and then knock it over in every <laughs> airport and just scramble <laughs> on the ground to throw them back. No! Oh, well, Thank on you, that, buddy. let's take a, a... Hey, no problem, buddy. Happy holidays. Let's take yeah. a little break and we'll come right back with more... Bananas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. We're back to bananas. Yes, we are. Hello, hey, folks. Hey. That's Scotty. Scotty, got any um, shout outs? Uh, I didn't have any official ones, no. so I wanted to give one out to our friend Kate Cosgrove, who came to both. Uh, yeah, came to both our Indianapolis show and our Brooklyn show. She's an illustrator for kids' books. She has two incredible books out: the the Dirt Book and and the Bullfrog Sing. And she drew something for Olive. And overall, now we have an illustrator in the in the crew, and we couldn't love Kate more. It's so great for parents out there. Um, the Dirt Book, both the books are great. Olive has really been excited about the Dirt Book, and uh, it is uh, a book that you you know you lift it up, so it's, it's not vertical. your it's not landscape. It's it's 
in portrait mode. Yeah, but you're literally mode. like it's vertical, so it's really it's like it's you're gorgeous. going down into the dirt, and every two pages is this big, beautiful single piece that gorgeous. goes across the the spine. And each one is a different poem yep. about a specific animal who lives in the dirt. And Olive loves tortoises and turtles. And so there's a gopher tortoise there. And I took a video because Kate gave me the book as a present so for Olive cool. at our Brooklyn show, which was so nice of her. Took a video of Olive just like losing her mind about this yeah. gopher tortoise. And so then Kate drew this amazing piece yes. of Olive on a leaf, and it just says, Olive is like, is going underground to mm-hmm. the tortoise. And it's like her, and there's a big gopher tortoise. So I can't, good. it's so beautiful. So, Thank you, Kate. Written by David L. Harrison, both of those books. So buy the dirt book. And also, Kate and I are working on a secret kids' book together, too. So we'll be nice. talking about that in 2022. But, anyways, we love Kate Cosgrove. Thanks so much. That's my only shout out. And just shout out mm, to all the bananas. Thanks for sticking with us. We love you. Are you ready for a story? More than anything in my whole dang life. This is so funny. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, this was sent in by Anthonius Coco. Thank Incredible you, Anthonius. Name. It's a beautiful, powerful name. Yep. Uh, this was in uh, Coconuts Jakarta. That is the name of the the uh, the magazine or uh, sounds like somebody panicked in the grocery store when they asked where they just went <laughs> for vacation. <laughs> Coconuts <laughs> Jakarta. <laughs> uh, I went to where'd you go? Jakarta. Well, where in Jakarta did you stay? Coconuts. Coconuts. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. <laughs> uh, this title is great. Raindrops keep falling on one car. <laughs> I mean, in intense precipitation mm-hmm. shaft baffles Indonesians. Whoa. Yeah. I will post the video and the photo. It is fascinating. <laughs> and it's genuinely a, 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 a Charlie Brown moment for this car. It's or just a car. It's rain. It's a it's rain only on one car. <laughs> It is so funny. It is just a column of rain sure. that is falling only on one car. And the guy like who's shooting it, he's just like amazed. And then he, he's you know, he's shooting around and he shows you like there's nothing pouring water down. It's not like a a a, a, a hose being shot from yeah. behind a tree or anything. It's in an open parking lot. There is no sky. Just a hole in the sky. We got to get a female or they, them meteorologist on bananas. I would love to have a personable meteorologist on. That would be great. If you know one or you are one, say hey to us. We'll talk about it. Yeah, please. It's not every day that we see rain falling on an area so small that it fits just a single car. (laughs) But the phenomenon was captured in a video that has gone viral in Indonesia recently. A video taken in Sikarang, West Java, on August 31st at around noon by Instagram user at your your Yana Rihanna. Right, your Yana Rihanna. Yep. It shows what looks like intense rain falling on a single Toyota MPV. Most. Most palular flare. Precipitous vehicle or precipitation vehicle. Most precipitous vehicle. (laughs) Most precipitation vehicle. Uh, Magnetic precipitation vehicle. (laughs) Other cars in the outdoor parking lot of a hotel were untouched by the small precipitation shaft, though the vehicles in the ground appeared to be wet from an earlier rainfall. 
Quote, I thought somebody might have been spraying water, but there was no one else at the parking lot at the time, he wrote in the caption. Quote, hopefully this is a sign of good things to come in the days ahead. Many commenters praise God, believing that the phenomenon showcased divine might and had apparently chosen that car to be some sort of special chosen one. Uh, The Meteorology, Climatology, and Geophysics Agency, BMKG, however, has yet to confirm the authenticity of the video. The agency Mm -hmm. said that such a small but intense localized rain is improbable as precipitation shafts usually cover large areas, but not impossible. Yeah. The possibility of it happening is very small. This is because the diameter of a cumulonimbus cloud, which produces rain, generally stretches to dozens or hundreds of kilometers. Oh. At any rate, BMKG did confirm that rain indeed did fall in Sikarang at noon on October 31st, which was when this was shot. Told you. It's oh, real. Yeah. Nothing's improbable anymore. It happened. Get over it. <laughs> it's beautiful is what it is. It is. I love that. I, That's wonderful. I love it so much. I love that. So I, I you know, when I, I camped, I, I lived in the woods by myself for a month after graduating college. Yep. I've talked a little bit about yep. it here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was just, you know, I was 20, 22 years old, just yep. graduated. I was... A very herb, a very urban person at that point. Had been living in Baltimore for City like guy. four years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, was obsessed with this like kind of very urban experience, just getting like lost in the city. Yeah, and um, but I am a hippie, dippy doodle at heart. This is and true. so, and I wanted to. Uh, also, was a philosophy major, so I was like, I need to work because I had been dating the same woman for four years. Yep. In college, and I was like, I need to be alone. And so this Damn was right. my plan to mm-hmm. be alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I thought we were going to break up when we left college. And then she didn't. And I never said that. Yeah. And so she, of course, didn't know that. And then just assumed we were going to continue to date because I never said anything. Well, it probably so then I was a like, couple weeks, you know, a few months. Yeah. <laughs> seven more years, you know. Yeah, just seven more years. Yeah, of that. Or no, eight more years after it. Thir- no, nine more years after that it That's lasted. a lot of years. 13 years. Mm-hmm. But so I went into the woods yes, sir. and just really into weird stuff at the time uh, and decided I was going to like build my own structure and live in my own structure. Yes, that's right. And uh, and I get up there. I set up my tent, literally my first tent I've ever owned, literally getting into the first sleeping bag I've ever owned. Pretty cool experience. And uh, and I get in there the first day. Watch the sunset. Realize it's scary at night in the woods by yourself. Yes. I go to bed early because I'm just too freaked out to sit around the fire. Yep. And then it starts raining. Yep. <laughs> and then it rains. Oh, boy. Every single day. It's an omen. Out of the 30 days I was there, it rained 27 days. And yeah. I did not realize that the spot I had chose was like a, like a, 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 like a rain, like a cloud magnet or something like that. Yeah. So, and June is the worst of the months there in upstate New York. So it was literally Ew. every single day. It was <laughs> oh, so deeply, Ugh. deeply depressing. Ugh. But at this point in my life... I love the rain now. I'm now come full circle. I can, yeah. I can, I can deal with the rain. I love going for rain walks because that's all I could do. Well, was like leave my tent and then go for a walk in the rain. And yeah. I would utilize every hour of sunlight that I had when it wasn't raining. Isn't and that so, God. it is. Bring it on. That's well, why you live in the my, weirdest my, city for it now because it never rains. 
I know. And I don't know if I could live in a city where it rains all the time. You know, like Portland or Seattle, even Maybe though I we'll love those cities. Maybe we'll find out one day, you know? Maybe we'll Maybe. get a cool glass condo, and we'll just look out the window and be like, you know what? This ain't bad. This is living. <laughs> yeah, just whole. I want a whole building, no floors. I live on the bottom, all glass. That's 50 right. stories of glass. I can see up 5,000 feet. That's all right. me. My dream car, limousine. I'm driving, nobody in the back. I just want a long <laughs> car, drive around town, so people think I know somebody important. <laughs> God, that'd be so funny. One time when <laughs> I was great. so when I was on Workaholics, our office and writers' room was the only business around in Van Nuys was a Target, and so every day after lunch we would do a Target walk. And when I say every day, every single day, and from our writers' room around the entire Target inside and back was about four thousand steps. And, you know, they sell Fitbits and Targets, so we all bought a mid-walk. You know, so season four, we're all wearing <laughs> Fitbits. We're getting 10,000 steps. We're doing two laps around Target. Uh-huh. And we used to know – I used to go so often because usually, like, for workaholics, I would be on for about 22 weeks, sometimes longer. So I would see full seasonal changes and sales come and go. Oh, I would wow. see the price of uh, towels go from eleven ninety nine down to seven ninety nine down to four ninety nine, and that's what I'm buying. <laughs> uh, white stag turtlenecks you know they start at 24 then you get them for 11 bucks in the summer <laughs> so i was walking over there with sean and dom two of the writers and it was middle of the day i guess the other writers were busy writing or doing whatever and we see all these bags and trash in the air on the other side of target like just on the other side and they're like that's weird i was like it's probably a tornado and they were like ha ha and then we just get hit by this gust of wind that was <laughs> so violent that we were in the middle of like a mini tornado and so we just splinter off and run through the parking lot and like our eyes are closed we were getting hit by a micro and i think they're called haboobs i think it's called a haboob a dust devil yeah a dust devil and so that it hit us in the parking lot but we were just like walking over to target to get an extra starbucks and suddenly i'm like in twister like screaming covering my ears and then it goes away (laughs) and then you're just standing there like hair standing up and you just have to act cool, and so we just kept on walking and Target. You know? <laughs> it was so funny, but it was it was so cool. But it, so I, that's why I believe that rain can pour in a hula hoop yeah. with on one car on some sad sack of crap's car. Of course, a haboob is that what you said it was called? A, a haboob, I believe it's what uh, what those single like finger sized tornadoes are. But maybe I'm wrong. I love it. I love it. It sounds beautiful. Give me a story, Scott. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to love this one. All right. I'm there. Summer Lover sent this. S-U-H-M-E-R-L-U-V-R. Summer Lover. Thank you so much for saying this. This was in MaxMotorCityGarage.com. If you're not reading MaxMotorCityGarage.com. What are you doing? What are you doing with your life? You're not related to Mac. Uh, This was written by Mick G, which I'm guessing is Mac. I don't think it's director of Charlie's Angels 1 and 2, Mick G. I think it's... Let's imagine it's director of Charlie's Angels 1 and 2, Mick G. I agree. Okay. Single name, Mick G. Yeah, he's, he's something all right. NASCAR's Flim Flam <laughs> Man, the unlikely what? tale of L.W. Wright. I want to buy the rights to this and make this a movie. This is incredible. NASCAR's Flim Flam Man? Yeah, Flim Flam Man. You know, like snake oil sales. Like, a, it's oh, a, like okay. a, the music man, basically. It's like somebody comes in and sells you on something and leaves. Commerce. I mean, hey, hey, I'll just say, I'll just say, it's uh, it sounds like a Mick G film already, a Flim Flam mm. Man. I mean, it's already got a little, it's got a little too much juice up top, if you know what I mean. I think I do. NASCAR's Flim Flam Man, con artist, 
And swindlers are nothing new to the craze, uh, crazy world of auto racing. Indeed, it's been said that just to survive in professional racing, you might need a little hustle in your personal skill set. But just to survive, just to survive. Think about it. But L. W. Wright, if that was even his real name, oh. and you can bet it wasn't, took the game to a whole new level. Without a dime of his own. And using only his smooth tongue, in 1982, he finagled his... Smooth tongue. That smooth L.W. Wright tongue. In 1982, he finagled his way into a car race, a race team, and one of the top races in the Winston Cup schedule, the Winston 500 in Talladega, Alabama. And then, like the famous skyjacker D.B. Cooper, he vanished into thin air. Sorry, did you say he won? No, he did not win, but he no. raced in this race. He did race. Okay. He got into the race. To make a long story short, somehow in April 1918, Wright managed to persuade Bernie Terrell, a PR man on Music Row in Nashville, to advance him $30,000 plus 7000 in expenses to fund his alleged race team, Music City Racing. I mean, what a name. Yep. I'm in. I'm interested in watching Music City Racing. Wright claimed the team was sponsored by country musician Merle Haggard and T.G. Shepard, but they had never even heard of him, it was later learned. With uh, Terrell's funds in hand, Wright purchased a 1981 Monte Carlo Winston Cup car from a local racer, Sterling Martin. He's a real NASCAR racer. For 20000 bucks. it was black and gold and bore the number 34. Okay, okay. And, and do numbers, are, are numbers like attached to uh, NASCARs? Yes. So okay. like if, you, if you're a big fan of certain racers, like, cert, oh, God, who was Dale? Dale Earnhardt. The, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. was like the Budweiser car for a long time. I think, I don't know, he was the number eight car or something. So you cheer okay. for like, I think Jeff Gordon was the 24 car, something like okay. that. And so, yeah, it's kind of like a way just to keep track. And also when you're at the event, they have on the monitors, they don't have the racer's name. They just have the position of the cars by number. Okay. And, but, but, but my question is, is like, will that car always, ha- that, that car's number needs to be like bought and sold by people, right? right. It's the, okay, okay. Right. Richard Petty was always number 43 for STP. So, okay. uh, Marlon would later say that Wright's story did not add up, and despite his claims of being an experienced driver with 43 Bush Series starts, Wright seemed lost at the racetrack and didn't know the ropes. <laughs> this is when it gets so great. Still, Wright somehow managed to qualify the Monte Carlo at Talladega with a speed of more than 180. 87 miles an hour. Wow. Wow. Okay. Though he crashed on his second qualifying lap doing significant <laughs> damage to the car. Oh, no. Marlin uh, and the crew patched the Monte Carlo back together for the race, which Wright started in 36th position. And thanks to NASCAR channel on YouTube, you can watch Wright's entire NASCAR career and the original ESPN telecast of the 1982 Winston 500 on YouTube. So you, you okay. can actually watch this con artist do this. Wright uh, is mentioned only barely and briefly before he was quickly lapped by the field and then black flagged, uh, officially credited with 13 laps and finished in 39th place. He parked the car, abandoned it in the garage area, and promptly disappeared, leaving a wake of bounce (laughs) checks. Isn't this insane? Leaving a, a wake of bounce checks behind him. Victims included NASCAR, which was stung for the license and entry fees. Tire supplier Goodyear, along with everyone else who was unfortunate enough to do business with him. NASCAR swore uh, out a warrant for Wright's arrest. And the PR man, Terrell, hired a private detective to hunt him down. But for 40 years, nobody <gasps> has figured out who it is, and he hasn't been seen since. Wow! And also, what I, what's fascinating to me about this is that it's not a... It's, it's like he didn't swindle people t- 
to make money. No. He swindled people just so he could race this race because he thought he could win. Yeah. Or he's just wanted the story and he did something incredible and he got away with it and he didn't die and he crashed a car and then he just disappeared. It's the best. He is the DP Cooper of car racing. Wow. And he just took and wow, no one has ever and this is nineteen eighty six, you say? Eighty two Winston five hundred. If you're bored at work right now, go on YouTube and whenever you hear the name, it's the number it's the number thirty four black and gold. <laughs> car and, it, and every it, time you say it you gotta yell that's the flim flam man and <laughs> take a shot <laughs> that's the flim flam man <laughs> oh man i uh i have two stories i'll i'll uh, i'll do this one because i'll save this other one for uh another time where i actually went to a nasc i've been to two nascar events in my life and they're both insane Th- this one is not nascar related i had this buddy neil neil lived in mississippi uh, and his thing, when he graduated uh, from high school, he would go to these big SEC football, college football games, and he would get drunk, and he liked to sneak on the field. He would sneak on the field all the time. So At, it, at, what, t- at, at what kind of fields? College football fields. College football, so, okay. you know, a big college football field, yeah, it can big. seat 60,000 to 100,000 people. Crazy. Insane. But... In you know this would have been like late nineties, early two thousand. So he would get bombed. He'd pregame with all his buddies, and then he would like sneak over a fence and he'd put on like a field crew jacket. And then one time he got on a golf cart and he just drove it across the middle of the field before the game and parked in the middle and waved to his friends in the stands and just drove it <laughs> off. But he would do this all the time. So I was like laughing so hard when he was telling me this that I was like, "What was your best one?" And he said. He goes to the SEC championship game in like 1997. That's Southeastern Conference. So that's like Alabama, Tennessee, all those schools back. Okay. Um, And he gets drunk and he wants to go into the seats and all his friends want to keep drinking out in the parking lot. And so he sneaks in and he sneaks on the field. And this is the championship game. It's between Tennessee and Auburn. Two very, you know, Auburn especially is a big football powerhouse, but Tennessee had Peyton Manning. The famous quarterback, okay. Peyton Manning, was their quarterback, senior year, championship game. Neil sneaks on the field, puts on a jacket. He's standing there. Auburn goes out to this crazy lead. So he stays on the Tennessee sideline during the whole start of the game. Whole first oh my quarter God. of the game, he's oh my God. standing so he's there just with got the team. So he like finds a jacket somewhere? Like, do, are jackets just willy-nilly on they football fields? They kind of are. Like, team okay. jackets. Like, you know, when you look at the benches during a football game, there's like all kinds of gear. There's like hats and there's right, like jerseys okay, okay. and there's warm-ups and stuff. So he would kind of go on. He was just like an average-looking white dude, so I'm sure he used that to his advantage. He would always have like a ball cap on. And he would just hop the fence or sneak in or talk his way in drunkenly. And he's standing there. And so so Auburn goes up 13-7 to seven in the first quarter. Tennessee was probably favored to win. Great team. <laughs> he's standing there next to Peyton Manning. And he says he leaned back and slapped Peyton Manning's ass as hard as he possibly could. Just open, like right on his ass. <laughs> just yelled at him get your head in the game and he said Peyton who was I don't know 20 years old 21 years old uh, like a college student turns to him and goes oh okay man okay man take it easy <laughs> goes back out there Tennessee wins the game by one point Peyton Manning was the MVP of the game Tennessee won the championship <laughs> But yeah, Neil just stood there and did. He was like, I couldn't help myself. And Neil wasn't a big guy. He was like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, so like yeah. an average height guy. I mean, Peyton's tall. Peyton's probably like 6'4", whatever. And he just <laughs> he said he reared back and he knew who it was, too, and just slapped his ass as hard <laughs> as possible. 
which, you know, in football world is like a congratulations. Hey, get your head in the game. And he just screamed at him like a drunk does. And it, you know, it might have changed the tide. It might have turned the tide of Tennessee's fates that day in the SEC championship. But God, I think about that all the time. Oh my God! Every time I see Peyton amazing. Manning on TV, I think about it every single time. I, if I ever meet Peyton at like at a Comedy Central thing or whatever, I'm going to be like, I have to ask you a question. Do you remember this guy slapping your butt during the championship? And if he oh says my God, no, you, yeah, he'll he'll remember it. It's too bizarre. Uh, also, the the butt slapping thing is they so fascinating. As a person who doesn't watch football. It's always when they start slapping butts. I'm always like, this is unique and, and interesting. I don't, it's, it's surprising that it took off in football, you yeah. know? Yeah. A butt intimacy uh, is, is, is not very common in American, uh, American, American straight males. down the middle, yeah. mainstream man. It's not big in the comedy I'm slapping, scene. <laughs> I'm slapping people's butts. I mean, I'm slapping people's butts. I'm always walking around tip-tapping, but not... <laughs> But people aren't, it's not the mainstream male fraternity brother thing no, to slap man. some butts. And it just took off in football. And I, I got to say, that's my favorite thing about football, it, all the butt slaps. Yeah, it's pretty good. They actually said that a lot of NFL players and stuff, when their careers end, a lot of them have like depression issues. And oh, so, really? you know, there's a lot of different reasons. But this one <laughs> study said it was partially because when you... When you're on a team, you're constantly getting your helmet tapped or you're bumping helmets or you're like or you're slapping each other's butts. So you're constantly oh. getting these moments and they're like these little ser- serotonin like pangs because oh. you're constantly getting like rewarded. And then when you're just around well, your dopamine. House, so yeah, yeah. And you load the groceries in or you parallel park the car well, nobody's just like, way to go and, and slaps tapping you on the butt. Your butt. Yeah. So interesting. So maybe he did him a huge favor. But yeah, Tennessee won by one game. It was a comeback. Uh one point and Peyton won the MVP of that game. So I love it. You can, you can. And also, I just want to put this out: if there's any uh, ex-pro football players who are feeling depressed, I will come and hit you on the butt to make you feel better. Yep. All right. I'll tap your head and I'll tap your bottom. We're all about consensual touch on this. I'm talking only ex-football professional football players. Okay. This is not for everybody. Nope. This is only ex-pro football players. You if go. you were in college, if you're a college player, does not offer, offer does not stand. Nope. Okay? Go on adultfriendfinder.com for that. All right. Here, I'll give you this one, and then we'll get out of here. Ooh, you ready? One more for the road. Yeah, let's wrap it up tight. This was sent in by Susanna Lawrence. Mm. Mm-hmm. She's, mm-hmm. she's known as Cooper Dupers on Instagram. That's who got it. Great handle. A lot of people sent this one in, but Susanna was first. Sand inducted into Toy Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't see that coming at all. I love Sand. Uh, this was uh, this is in the Daily News. Uh, it's a real paper. By Joseph Wilkinson. That's a real writer. Yeah. Real. And really the best. Yeah, he is. He's good at what in he does. In the biz. Yes, he is. Here it is. <clears throat> Sand Mm -hmm. has been inducted into the Toy Hall of Fame despite (laughs) the fact that it's, quote, coarse, rough, and irritating, and it gets everywhere. Yes, sir. Certainly does. (laughs) Alongside Sand, American Girl Dolls and the board game Risk were also inducted Thursday into the Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York, which sits inside the Strong Museum of Play. (laughs) Strong is the official title, not a descriptor of how a how how bulky the museum of play is there we go Sa- quote sand has a global reach that most toy manufacturers <laughs> yeah, would envy from beach to beach from <laughs> sea to sea they ain't lying 
Museum curator Christopher Bench said in a press release, quote, it's been a vehicle for play since prehistory, and anyone who has spent the day at the beach can understand the allure of this toy. I'm unsure who's defining it as a toy. Yeah, no. The Toy Hall of Fame began honoring toys in 1998, and no one has cared since or before. (laughs) (laughs) Got him. Burnzilla. Anyone can nominate a toy, but special toy experts limit the field to 12 finalists each year. That's Roy and Brian are the special toy experts. Three-year selection for induction. Other finalists this year included Battleship, Billiards, Cabbage Patch Kids, Fisher-Price Corn Popper, Mahjong, Masters of the Universe, The Pinata in general, Settlers of Catan, and the Toy Fire Engine. Those are Um, all great toys. Great choices. mm Mm-hmm. While Sand was able to ride its many fans into the Toy Hall of Fame, its key counterpart on the beach water has not been honored. Thank you, Joseph Wilkinson. That's a good ending. That is a good ending. And you know what? Maybe those two guys that created the thing that nobody wanted, maybe they love toys. And if you have a passion, that's fine. Follow it. And you know what? They got some print. And I'm so happy that Sand is there. I'm going to... I'm going to... I wonder if dirt will make it next year. I've thrown some dirt. I've had That's a laugh it. or two. Everyone can enjoy the universal. The children love dirt. I would say children love dirt more than sand. I it's fun. And if you're in dirt and sand, you got to go mud. Nobody's having mm-hmm. making mud pies when you were a kid. Please. Twenty twenty three. If you do not induct mud into oh. the toy hall of Ooh. fame, I'm burning it we're to the ground, Rochester. Coming. I'm coming with a bunch of my pro football player fans. I'm gonna Ooh. pat them on the butt and they're gonna burn your place to the Ooh, ground. You stepped in it now, Toy Hall of Fame or whatever you are. We're coming for you. I'm bringing mud mud pies in each hand. I'm calling Claire from UMass and we're bringing mud pies in each hand. And we were going to light you up. You got to have dirt. You got to have mud. They go together. They do. Well, that's been another Bananas. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you have stories, please send them to us on our Instagram, uh, The Bananas Podcast, or email them to us, thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. Please go and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can do that by going to the website, ratebananas.com, R-A-T-E, bananas.com. Thank you for another wonderful year, Bananimals. We're going to have more bananas all next year, 2023. Bananas 52 times next year, and we're probably going to do another tour. So thank you for a great 2021. Look forward to the grand reopening continuing with an amazing 2022. Be safe. Drink Ranch Nog. Live forever. Bananas. Bananas. This has been an Exactly Right production. Produced and engineered by Katie Levine. Theme music by Kahan. And all of our artwork is done by Travis Millard. You can follow us on Instagram at The Bananas Podcast, where we post stories every day and things that we don't cover on the podcast. Listen, subscribe, and please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And if you're interested in advertising on Bananas, please email us at thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. That's thebananaspodcast at gmail.com. 